impact <laughs> impactivism 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 <laughs> it's definitely not a word is it well no not yet it's two words coming together as one or two organs in cooperation functioning for one purpose it's the heart and it's the brain It's emotional fuel powering logical vehicles, knowing these are the most impactful tools for betterment. It's where compassion finds partnership in rationality, and where reasoned steps to improve the world necessarily follow. It's both what energizes us to improve upon undesirable circumstances, and what ought to guide us forward in this effort. It's those benevolent actions taken deliberately, critically, and purposefully. And that purpose originates not from the objective to act good, but the objective to impact good, and to examine how best to do so, and then to act accordingly. Welcome to the Impactivism Podcast, where we explore how each of us, as individuals, can get better at doing good. I'm your host, Logan Sullivan, and this is episode number one. Welcome to an introduction to impactivism. So in this episode, I'll talk about what impactivism means, why I created this podcast, and what you can expect from episodes to come. So again, I'm your host, Logan Sullivan. And I spent the past eight years in 60-some countries on six continents investigating a number of things. I investigated what's the purpose of my life, what's the purpose of life in general, what is the value of seeking perspective, of trying to see new lights and new shades reflected on existing ideas that we might not have seen or explored from different vantage points. And I spent most of this time investigating how one seemingly disempowered individual can most effectively impact the world for the better. And as part of this investigation, I spent the majority of this time working in natural and human-made disaster response aid work, in environmental conservation, in sustainable development and microfinance, and in advocacy and representative roles with international non-governmental organizations. I worked in countries like Haiti, Honduras, the Democratic Republic of Congo, the Philippines and Cambodia, and most recently as the regional advocacy advisor to the Syria crisis for a Nobel laureate INGO called Handicap International covering Lebanon, Jordan, Turkey, Iraq, and Syria. And most, most recently, I spent some of 2015 and most of 2016 as the coordinator and representative of the 
Nigeria International Non-Governmental Organization Forum, which is a large mouthful, or the INGO Forum. And in this role, I represented the collective voice of the INGO community in Nigeria. So including organizations like Doctors Without Borders, Oxfam, Save the Children, International Rescue Committee, Mercy Corps, and about 30 others. And when I represented them when interfacing with uh, United Nations leadership, with the government of Nigeria and its ministries, with ambassadors and the diplomatic community, with large institutional donors and with the media. And I brought the leadership of these organizations together to assure a coherent, effective and efficient response to 7 million Nigerians in need of humanitarian assistance. But these jobs were only a small part of this investigation. I first thought that I could contribute to good in the world through participating in one of these systems, whether humanitarian development or conservation. Then I quickly realized how inefficient and ineffective they can be on average. And let me emphasize that this is again on average and that plenty of exceptions exist at one extreme end of the spectrum from destructive interventions to perfection, acknowledging that perfect simply does not exist, but that a small percentage of initiatives are incredibly efficient, incredibly effective, and in episodes to come, we'll discuss a lot of them in depth. So I then decided to go back and study international law and transition into advocacy roles, where I could try to employ all tools at my disposal to hold the systems to account. In the process, hopefully increasing their efficiency and effectiveness in alleviating suffering and increasing well-being of those needing it most. But through this, while interfacing every day with these decision makers that are often holding millions of people's lives and their well-being in their hands, I found that yes, these systems are imperfect, but that these systems are human created and human maintained, and we humans are infinitely flawed too. So in questioning where these flaws originate, what empowers and incentivizes them, and what can disempower and disincentivize our most destructive flaws. I explored relevant moral philosophy, social sciences, and psychology. I explored our cognitive biases, our favorite logical fallacies that we tend to stand behind in arguments that we have with ourselves in our own heads. I explored our egos and our fears and both the nature of evil and the nature of altruism, the roles of in-groups and out-groups in our thinking and how we just tend to make the choices that we make. So through this eight-year investigation, through the jobs and the travels in between contracts and my own personal research, I came across a few important findings. I found a very destructive disconnect that exists between our positive intentions and the actual outcomes of our actions. And there's a full episode out today covering this very topic I think called uh, positive intentions versus positive impact. So I won't elaborate too much, but definitely check that out if you can. So with this in mind, I found that I think almost as much as ever before, the world demands more than positive intentions. It demands impact. And I think we hear often that the world is improving, and it is. And percentage-wise, People are better off as the percentages of poverty are dropping and infant mortality rates are dropping and the rates of death by treatable disease in many places are also dropping. Yet there are about the same amount of people living in extreme poverty today as the total human population just 200 years ago in 1817. And more people are living 
on the equivalent of what $4 per day can buy in America or less than the total human population just 50 years ago in 1967. And of course, more people means more animals raised in factories and killed to feed them. 60 billion farmed animals a year, to be more specific. So if we look at it this way, the sum total of suffering and pain in the world is higher than it's ever been before, while at the same time, the sum total of prosperity is also at an all-time high. But unfortunately, it's really easy to concentrate only on the second half of that fact, which is an incredibly common justification both for apathy and inaction. But this existence of extreme magnitudes of both prosperity and of misfortune, this seems like the perfect starting point for us to use a small amount of our prosperity to improve on circumstances that could most use it. And when living in a developed country like America, for example, it can be pretty easy to compare ourselves and our prosperity to only that which is directly observable and conclude that we're not actually that wealthy, not actually that fortunate. But as surprising as this statistic might be, if you earn $55,000 a year as a single American, you are among the wealthiest 1% of humans on planet Earth. And if you make $11,880 per year, which is the American poverty level, you are still the wealthiest 15% in the world. Though, of course, you know, looking at our neighbors and watching our TV shows that have, you know, been incredibly good at normalizing extreme wealth, it can sometimes be hard to remember the magnitude of our fortune. And because of this, we can also forget that we're in this really favorable position to impact good in the world if we make the choice to do so. whether by systems, by countries, by organizations, or by us as individuals, I try to look not at what's being accomplished, but at the difference between what's being accomplished and the potential of what could have been achieved with the same amount of time, energy, and resources. And in a lot of ways, that difference now seems to be magnitudes larger than it's ever been in human history. That might sound a little extreme, but I think it's I say this not because we're not doing a lot of good, a lot of good is not being done, but because information availability and technology, this has created a situation where the potential we possess to do good in the world is completely unprecedented. I didn't grow jaded by the humanitarian system because it wasn't avoiding millions of deaths and increasing the well-being of countless people, but because it was operating at a fraction of what I knew its potential to be. But when I say we have more potential than ever before, this isn't necessarily related to our potential as individuals or even as a collective society, as a country, as an organization or system. 
to categorically solve any of our largest problems, whether that's ending poverty, reversing climate change, achieving perfect peace and equality, ending animal exploitation, that list goes on. But rather, there seems to exist more potential than ever before for one individual to take rational actions to alleviate a quantifiable amount of suffering and increase well-being of living beings and our environment. So with this in mind, I believe we are more empowered than ever before and thus have more potential. So I hope we can try to close the gap between the good that we're accomplishing and that potential that we now have. And I guess this podcast is really dedicated to finding and sharing the tools that we can use to do just this. And luckily, I see a lot of reasons to believe that a lot of us will. I don't believe everyone will, and that's not the objective here. But for all of us willing and able, I believe we can and we will get better at trying to do good in the world if we choose to and if we pay a little attention. I say this because it seems like, again, maybe more than ever before, that we are energized to do good and that we are trying. And this might be in part due to a recent election And I'll discuss in future episodes how we can try to harness this frustrated energy that we feel with the Trump administration in order to achieve the most good, instead of just yelling relatively aimlessly. And there's also an episode out today called A Lifetime Pledge to Give, which is an interview uh, along those same lines. So check that out if you get a chance. So I think the limitation here does not seem to be our motivation to do good. It's either that we're prevented from acting because we don't know how, Or we're acting uncritically and often because of that ineffectively. And again, the podcast is dedicated to addressing just that. So when discussing how we can do good, I will often refer to us as resources. You know, our cumulative time, energy, passion, ingenuity, creativity, our education, our technical skills, our social reach and credibility, and our more tangible resources of our individual wealth and finances. We are each, I think, the embodiment of a truly unique collection of these resources that might be unique on planet Earth, each one of us. Now, there exist incredibly high-yielding investments that we can make as resources to accomplish so much good in the world. And unfortunately, at the same time, there seem to be an an infinite number of bad or deceiving investments tempting us. And when we consider the act of doing good as the objective, instead of the objective of impacting as much good as we can, we often fall victim to these low-yielding investments. And we are already investing ourselves, you know, to varying degrees, in doing some sort of good on a regular basis, whether that's through ethical consumption of food, energy, consumer goods, or anything else we spend our money on, whether that's through marching for a cause or posting on social media, donating to any nonprofit, volunteering our time, helping even a friend or a neighbor, and that list goes on. These all require some type of investment of ours, whether that's our time, whether that's energy in thought, energy in action, finances, and so much more that we have to give. So if we authentically do care and want to accomplish good, not just feel like we're accomplishing good, right? And that's a very, you know, it's a hard distinction to talk about sometimes and to address, but it's a, a really important one. 
that we have to be aware of. So if, if we do want to accomplish good, wouldn't it just make sense to try to distinguish between good and bad investments and to invest ourselves wisely? So with this in mind, when analyzing the value of our impact, I'll try to lay out here a few axioms that I'll be taking as a given in episodes to come. I suspect that most of us will probably agree on these, at least to an extent. And for those who don't, I'd love to hear your thoughts via Facebook post um, and we can start a conversation. I'm, I'm never convinced that any idea is without an objection and I want to hear opposing views to my own so that I can better understand mine, perpetually reevaluating them based on new information and to adjust my views when I can no longer reasonably defend them. So share your thoughts, always share your thoughts and let's have a conversation. So I believe that every child is born with an equal right to a healthy, happy, and fulfilling life. I believe that no child earned or deserved the family or the country or the circumstance that they happen to be born into. I believe that non-human animals are sentient beings and the value of their lives is mutually exclusive from the traits that they possess that might or might not align with human preference. Right? Meaning a slimy animal with sharp features deserves not to suffer just as much as a puppy or a panda. I believe that fortune and misfortune are to a very large extent circumstantial. I believe that Americans are disproportionately wealthy and well-resourced, and because of this especially well-positioned circumstantially to help other living beings. And with this gift of a fortunate circumstance, I believe comes a responsibility to actively live ethically. And when an action involuntarily imposes a condition on another, I believe it becomes an ethical conversation. But when a thought or action does not involuntarily impose conditions on another, this podcast is less interested in exploring that topic. So as an example, voting for a nationalist president to run the most influential government in the world will involuntarily impose conditions on the rest of the planet, while choosing whether whether or not to eat processed food or to eat gluten or to pray. These choices, I think, fall into a less consequential category of ethics that I'm less interested, I guess, in discussing here. So just keep that one in mind, I guess. And I believe that the magnitude of this ethical consideration swells in proportion to a few things, in proportion to the amount of living beings that are involuntary, involuntarily affected in proportion to how greatly it affects them and to how well off those living beings were to begin with. And lastly, with this responsibility to do some good, I believe that we might as well try to get good at it. some of the background and uh, now we can get into a little bit more details of what the podcast is about so i think it's about how each of us as individuals you and me 
can most effectively impact positive shifts in circumstances in the world that we love and that we share. It's about how we're completely disempowered to change certain things and how ridiculously empowered we are to change others and about how to direct our attention, energy, and resources towards what we can impact. It's about the magnitude of inefficient and ineffective ways of trying to do good and about those select avenues that can accomplish so much and how we can very simply choose to involve ourselves with the effective ones. It's about ideas we can consider, choices we can make, and actions that we can take to help alleviate the suffering and increase the well-being of humans and of non-human animals and how we can most constructively contribute to the health of our planet as a whole. I'll break down where our intuitions often lead us astray when attempting to do good in the world and how we can use our emotions not to guide our actions, but as fuel while allowing logic to remain in the driver's seat. I'll differentiate between good intentions and positive outcomes, between participating in change and creating a difference, between self-regarding and other-regarding actions, between doing less harm and actively doing more good. I'll discuss our position in the world and what it means to be alive, well, and educated and above the poverty line in America in 2017. I'll highlight common logical fallacies and cognitive biases that may lead us astray on the topic of understanding what it means to do good and how to achieve it, as well as how it leads us to maybe overestimate the positive impact of certain actions and to drastically underestimate others. I'll talk about the value of challenging our limited perspectives and of opening our minds to opposing points of view. I'll often refer to the effective altruism movement, to the 80-20 principle, to practical ethics, ethics and applied psychology, and how one individual can harness these philosophies as tools for achieving personal effectiveness, first in how we attempt to do good, as well as in our own lives in general. I'll constantly ask, what would have happened otherwise? What is the difference between the world you live in now and that counterfactual world at that same point in time had you never been born or had you made a different choice? I guess it's about how we can each live a life in which the difference between these two worlds is the largest. Where the world you live in now, the one you're a part of is better off for you having lived your life. It's not about how we can simply do our part as contributing citizens or how we can do no harm, but rather about why we should aspire to do more, about how we can think and act in accordance with these aspirations and how easy it actually is to do good if we're thinking critically. And it's about achieving this impact while living well, while finding joy and fulfillment in the process. It's about achieving the most good with the least sacrifice. And lastly, I'll talk about some of my experiences in investigating these topics through the lens of my work, travel, and research. Right now, you'll find episodes one through five up on iTunes 
and I'll continue posting every Monday and every Wednesday for the next couple months. From that point, if there's a lot of support, I'll keep with the same pace or potentially even go three times a week if, if that's what's asked for. And if support isn't so high, perhaps just once a week, so we'll, we'll see at that point. Initially, I'll be posing a lot of my own ideas, you know, findings from my investigations and research, and I'll aim to keep these solo episodes under 20 minutes, but as you can see from these first episodes I already posted today, I've already failed a few times. And the purpose of this brevity is to deliver you valuable ideas concisely, but without oversimplifying what I believe to be necessarily complicated topics. That if we do oversimplify, then we miss the point. So realistically, expect anywhere between 7 and 30 minutes for these episodes. And as time goes on, I'll be shifting to focus more on interviews with awesome and inspiring people doing awesome and inspiring things. I posted one interview today entitled A Lifetime Pledge to Give, where I'm discussing a pledge with a friend of mine that we made together to give 10% of our income for the rest of our lives and 20% through the duration of Trump's presidency to highly impactful, heavily researched nonprofits doing incredible things very efficient, very efficiently and very effectively. And that episode indicates that interviews will likely very clearly not fit within the time lengths of the other episodes that I'm aiming for. And I promise not to talk with my guests about their ideas in general, or I guess their ideas and experiences and theories and the books they've written, the movies they've made, the jobs they have, the campaigns they've run, the discoveries they've had, the research they've done, or their fears and optimisms and solutions and proposed actions. I won't talk about these ideas in general. I will instead try to explore these topics through the lens of how one individual, right, how you and how I can harness these ideas as tools for impacting positive change. And I think we so often hear about solutions to world problems and new groundbreaking ideas and research. And then we have to ask, right, as far as my life goes and the choices I make and the actions that I take, so what, right? And I hope to instead try to to keep this in mind and guide my guests towards synthesizing these ideas into tools for our use. So if you know anybody who would make a good guest based on what you've heard so far, or if you think you'd make a good guest, uh, definitely be in touch and let me know. Uh, You can write me on my personal Facebook page, on the Impactivism Facebook page, or via the website. And you can find all those links at logansullivan.com. And as another promise, I know that life is complicated and that we are very busy people and that it's not so easy to set aside our life or to adjust our existing priorities. And I know that we have commitments that we've made to people who are depending on us. And because of this, doing good might not seem like it's in the cards. But I'm here to say again that investing more of ourselves would be great. But that's not always necessary if we just invest ourselves more wisely. So the second promise I'll make is to lean towards how we can achieve the most good with the minimal effort and sacrifice, if any sacrifice at all. If anything, I'll show how by paying a little attention, we can redirect some of our existing energy in order to achieve often dozens of times the positive impact with the same amount of effort. And to me, that could never be a sacrifice, but an 
infinitely fulfilling gain. So one last promise. I promise I don't know everything, and I will never, never claim to. I hope that my unique sampling of experiences and my depth of research and investigation into these topics will allow me to speak to them intelligently, but in the end, I'm here to do two things. First, I believe that keeping insights to ourselves helps nobody. And sharing doesn't guarantee an effect either, but it holds a lot more potential than saying nothing. So I want to share my thoughts on this idea of trying to get better at doing good. And if one person benefits from each episode and they can then in turn benefit others, then it's entirely worthwhile. And second, I want to learn. That's why I'm here. And I'll learn from researching my topics in more detail and I'll learn from my guests sharing their infinite wisdom and beautiful ideas. And I want to learn from you. So share your comments, join discussions on the Impactivism Facebook page and on my personal page. Hold me accountable. Right? Tell me what I'm getting completely wrong. And let me know if uh, there's an idea that you agree with and what you might see differently. Or how I might benefit from looking at something with an adjusted vantage point. So share interesting things I can read or I can watch, interesting research that you found on similar topics, and tell me what topics you're interested in hearing too. Now, I have a lot of ideas of my own, but I, I really want to talk about what you guys want to hear, so definitely share your ideas. Okay, I guess that's all. Uh, if you appreciated what, you, what I've shared so far, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast and download all the episodes on iTunes. And if you really liked what I've brought forward, you can share this episode or the Impactivism website via social media or directly with friends that you think would appreciate it. And you can find the link to the site there is logansullivan.com slash impactivism. And if you're up for it, uh, leaving a review on iTunes goes incredibly far, especially at these early stages in the podcast to help spread the word through iTunes rankings. And if you've never done that before, there's uh, directions on the website to help you get through that step-by-step, -step, again, at logansullivan.com. So thank you so much for making it this far, you beautiful people. I'm really excited to, to be doing this, to be bringing you uh, what these ideas that I've been thinking about for a very long time and what I hope we can benefit from and what can allow us to help continually benefit others. And I really hope it's more than just food for thought. I hope it's rather tools for taking more rational, more thoughtful actions to positively impact the world that we love and that we share and that you put these tools to use. It's so often that we, we talk about things that we can do and we talk about new ideas and then we don't apply them. But I guess the purpose of this episode is that the purpose of this whole podcast is much, 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 much the contrary to that. It's not to talk about it. It's to act. It's all in the name impactivism. You know, if we're not doing anything, if we're not taking action, no impact is achieved. A lot of thoughts, you know, we're, a lot of ideas are explored and maybe amazing ideas are formulated. But if no action is taken, then no impact is achieved. And in the end, that's all that really matters, isn't it? If something happens or if it doesn't happen. Anyway, I'm incredibly energized, if you can tell. 
I'm, I'm really excited by the fact that you're listening to this. And because of this, there are people out there that do want to make the world a better place, that do want to do it effectively in order to accomplish and impact things and not just feel like we're doing good, but rather accomplish good. So I guess that's all. And I promise I will be back with much, much more very soon, posting every Monday and every Wednesday.